Amen. Well, I just love God's presence, just feel it very tangibly here this morning. And uh, it's great because we're in a series on the Holy Spirit. And I've been really enjoying this series because, you know, we're looking at how this third person of the Trinity ministers to us, empowers us, strengthens us, guides us, brings the presence of God to us in every moment of every day. You know, our Christian life is one lived by faith in Jesus Christ, but enabled and empowered and guided by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Paul in Romans describes him as the Spirit of Jesus, the very presence of Jesus living in us. And as Kieran shared a couple of weeks ago, this Spirit-filled, supernatural life isn't just for a few selected, anointed ones. It's for every single person. You know, you can watch YouTube clips and you can see spectacularly gifted preachers and evangelists and beautifully anointed and gifts of healing. And you can immediately discount yourself and say, well, I'll never have any sort of spiritual impact. And that's a lie. Because God has gifts for each one of us. He has given his spirit to those who are hungry and thirsty. Everybody gets to play. You know, aren't you glad God chose to use the weak things of the world to shame the strong, to display his power through? And the thing is, our calling, stepping out into the life Jesus has for us, is never about seeing what you can bring, stepping up to the table and let's see what you can bring. It's never been about that. It's always been about recognizing who you are with, recognizing who you are with. And we read through Scripture time and time again. We see Moses brought the people of Israel, I might mention it, out of slavery, not because he was a spectacularly gifted leader. You know, he said, here am I, God, send Aaron. But because God was with him. He said, if you're not with us, God, we're staying put. It's because who he was with. Joshua too. Joshua wasn't bold and courageous because that was his character type. But because God was with him. Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior. I didn't become a mighty warrior because of wonderful strategy and physical training. But because the Spirit of God was with him. We see it right the way through Scripture. You know, we get to Pentecost. There's Peter standing up, giving a sermon. 3,000 people respond, not because he was incredibly wise and deeply trained in theology and education. Far from it. He was a fisherman, but because the Spirit of God was upon him. And we could go on and on and on, because the truth is, unless we take hold of this reality that it's not about what we can bring, but it's all about who you are with, unless we get hold of that truth, we will always fall into a works-based, must-try-harder, strife-ridden life. And that is not the abundant life Jesus has called us to. The truth is, without God, we bring nothing to the table. And the beautiful thing is, God has instead invited us to his table, 
through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to step up to his table, to dine with him, to receive from him, to receive his very spirit. Rob was saying last week, we receive the Holy Spirit, this spring of living water that wells up from within us. We can know his presence. We can know his power. We can know his enabling and his love wherever we go. This life-giving spirit within us. So when you hear about sort of supernatural life, supernatural living, that's just a normal Christian life. It's not about having to be super spiritual. It's not about having to act a bit weird. You know, yes, sometimes you do see a bit weird things, but it's simply stepping out with Jesus by his spirit in the everyday, very mundane ordinariness of life and walking with our extraordinary God. I've been trying to get into the habit at the end of the day, of asking myself this, quest, this question, in what way did I recognize the Holy Spirit at work in my life today? In what way did I recognize him at work in my life? That's sometimes quite often followed up by the question, did I actually allow him to have any bearing on my life today? Or did I just carry on along my own path? How closely was I aware of his presence You know, how closely was I walking in step with the Holy Spirit? I think it's a really healthy question to ask us, ask ourselves, because this is the normal Christian life. I've been reading a book um, by Mike Pilavacci and Andy Croft from Soul Survivor. Um, I think it's called Ordinary Everyday Supernatural, Everyday Supernatural. And um, I was reading a little story that Andy wrote about the day he met uh, Brother Andrew, many will know Brother Andrew uh, from God's Smuggler. He was the guy who incredibly used to go behind the Iron Curtain and smuggle Bibles and spread the gospel, saw incredible fruit there. And, um, you know, I mean, even after that, even after the Iron Curtain came down, he, he saw incredible th- fruit in Afghanistan and seeing terrorists come to faith, baptizing hundreds of people in secret, in these incredibly dangerous places. And even now, at the age of 90, he is still as passionate and on fire for Jesus and the gospel as he ever was. And Andy asked him, what is your secret? What is your secret? I want to be like you when I get to 90, if I get to 90. And Brother Andrew looked at him and he said, the secret? Stick closely with Jesus. And... Andy Croft kind of went, oh, a bit deflated, really. Is that it? Yes, that is it. If we want to live the life we've been called to, in other words, a life of freedom and power in the Holy Spirit, it is simply about sticking close to Jesus, pursuing his relationship, and doing what he says. In another interview, with Open Doors this time, an amazing charity, Open Doors. We as a church support it financially. It supports the persecuted church. But they were interviewing Brother Andrew. And he said this, the real calling, because we're all after what is our calling? What is our calling, Lord? What's our calling? According to Brother Andrew, he says, the real calling is not to a certain place or to a career, but to everyday obedience. 
And that call is extended to every Christian, not just a select few. The Bible is full of ordinary people who went to impossible places and did wondrous things simply because they decided to follow Jesus and do what he said. It's, it's really not rocket science, is it? It's basically pursuing and doing what Jesus says. Pursue and do. It's been about... Learning to be obedient in the everyday small things of life, how we invest our time, how we invest our finances, how we invest our talents. Learning to recognize the the Holy Spirit's promptings. Learning to say no to, to the things that we know get in the way of that relationship and learning to say yes to the things he's calling us to do. It's in those everyday small steps. And as we learn to grow in confidence because he is a faithful God, as we learn to grow in obedience, so we increasingly become the people he has called us to be. That's basically what it is when we gaze at Jesus. He transforms us from one degree of glory to another. It's simply allowing our lives to line up increasingly to him. It's all about obedience. And so in the time we've got left, I just want to look at the importance of our obedience to Jesus and the role the Holy Spirit plays in that. Obedience is just really not a very cool word, is it, in today's society? But obedience to Jesus is what every follower of Jesus Christ has been called to. That's the whole point of being a follower We pursue his relationship and we do what he says. And it is so important, before we go any further, to just underline the fact that our relationship with Jesus is one based on love. It's one based on incredible love. I don't know if you just experienced the love of God this morning as we were worshiping. Just powerful. It's the Holy Spirit who pours God's love into our hearts. We feel it. We experience it. We know it. It's a relationship based on love. That underlines everything we talk about when we talk about obedience. Because Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, you will do what I have commanded. It's been said that obedience, if you like, is Jesus' love language. I don't know if you've read the love languages, the five love languages. Obedience is Jesus' love language. If you love me, you'll do what I say. But here's the key point. This obedience is not rooted in willpower. It is rooted in the Holy Spirit's power at work in our lives. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our obedience in two ways. Firstly, he shows us the ugliness of our sin. We mentioned a few weeks ago that he is called the spirit of conviction. We read in John 16 verse 8, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin. And we need to be very clear that conviction and condemnation are completely different things. Yes? Condemnation simply points to the problem and says, you're a failure. You know what? We have an enemy who is very good at doing that. The devil is brilliant at pointing at the problem and saying, look at you, you are a failure. 
It's called the accuser of the brethren for very good reason. Whereas conviction acknowledges the problem, but points to the solution, points to the answer. In other words, condemnation shouts, look at your past. Look at your sin. Look at the mess you're in. You, you sinner. Guilty as charged. That's condemnation. We're very good at doing that against to ourselves as well. But listen, this is what conviction shouts. Look to Jesus. Look at his shed blood that washes away every single sin. Look to his forgiveness. Look to his mercy. Look to his love. It's what that prophetic provocation from Heather was exactly that. It's the Holy Spirit pointing us to Jesus. You feel bound. You feel a failure. You feel condemned. Look to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction. Here's the answer. Here's the one who sets you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's beautiful. Your past has no hold on you anymore. It's an opportunity to repent, to turn and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to trust in his love, in his forgiveness. It's why Romans 8 starts off by saying, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Isn't that amazing news? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, if you have repented and said, I am yours, Lord Jesus, then you are no longer under the law of sin and death. You're no longer under condemnation. You're under the life-giving law of the Spirit, who is the same Spirit that raised Jesus to life. He too now gives us life. We were once condemned, heading to death, spiritual death. We're now under the law of the Spirit who gives life. He is the one who points us to Jesus, the life giver. You know, one of the key ways we experience the freedom that Rob was talking about last Sunday was that we are no longer slaves to sin. It's been interesting, some of the words that have been coming even this morning just tie in with this. You're no longer wrapped in barbed wire. You no longer need to be. You are no longer slaves to sin. Before we knew Jesus, we were completely in bondage. We had no choice but to say yes to our sinful nature. Completely enslaved. But thanks be to Jesus and his victory on the cross, paying up the price for the penalty, raising to new life, we can now be set free from that. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free to say yes to righteousness and no to unrighteousness. I think Rob mentioned it last week about Romans 7. Describes this struggle. You know, I, 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 don't want to, I keep doing what I don't want to do. And there is a struggle. There is a spiritual battle. But praise God, Romans 8 follows Romans 7. Because Romans 8 is all about life in the Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, it tips that battle massively in our favor. Because we have the Holy Spirit working in the inside, pointing out those areas of our life that need sorting out and drawing us to Jesus, the one who sets us free. It's a wonderful victory in Christ. Our old, enslaved, sinful self keeps on wanting to come back up and it's like, no, I've got the Spirit of God. 
I've died to you. I've died to my old ways. I'm living in freedom. You know, Paul uses the illustration in Romans 7 of marriage. When we get married, we say, until death do us part. We're in covenant. We're in union with what we're married to. We were married to the law of sin and death. But we died to that with Jesus on the cross. We died. That released us from that. So we can now be married to another with the bride of Christ. Sin has no hold on us. Romans 7 says, We die to what once bound us. We have been released from the law, so we now serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. We have the Spirit of Jesus living within us. You know, Jesus was the most obedient person to ever walk this earth. He was totally obedient to his Father. We have the same Spirit. That's why Paul calls him the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in us. That wonderful Spirit of obedience living within us. This battle is massively tilted in our favor. So when the Holy Spirit brings conviction in your life, he is simply, lovingly, shining a light on areas that, actually, you don't need that anymore. You don't need to be bound by that anymore. You don't need to be governed by that anymore. I think a couple of weeks ago, somebody had a picture of a cage with a door that was already open, but the person was still in the cage. It's like, you don't need to be in that cage anymore. Jesus has opened the door. You can step out in obedience and faith into the new life he has for you. So when the Spirit brings conviction, when he shines the light on those areas that are still vying for influence in our lives, it is a wonderful opportunity to repent. And can I say, repentance isn't a heavy thing. Repentance is a wonderful, freeing thing. It brings life. It brings healing. It's simply recognizing that through Jesus, we have the opportunity to receive forgiveness, to turn from our ugliness of the sin and embrace Jesus' righteousness. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That's why it says a few verses later in Romans 8, can I just encourage you, read Romans 8. It will really help you with this whole thing of walking in the Spirit, living the Spirit-empowered life, particularly with the area of obedience. It is packed with it. Romans 8, 4 basically tells us that you know, we don't live according to the flesh, our old selves. We don't need to anymore. We live according to the Spirit. Romans 8.13 says it's, it's only by the Holy Spirit that we can put to death the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify those desires. Because we're walking with the Spirit, the Spirit that keeps turning our eyes to Jesus. Earlier on in Galatians 3, verse 3, it asks us the question, having begun by the Spirit, so as we mentioned before, it's the Spirit that initially shows our need of a savior, draws us to Jesus, we get saved. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh in your own work, striving in your own strength? The answer, of course, is no. It is by God's Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to live a life of obedience and fruitfulness for Jesus. And this is all wonderfully prophesied over. Hundreds of years before, Ezekiel 36 says this, This is God saying, I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't just set us free from sin. He then gives us his spirit to help us walk 
in that freedom. He doesn't just set us free from its grip. He then walks with us by his Spirit in that freedom. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us live obedient, God-glorifying lives. So when he brings conviction, we don't fall into condemnation, because that's the lie from the enemy. Instead, we see it as God's mercy, leading us into more and more freedom. Let's not miss those opportunities. Let's not miss those promptings of the Holy Spirit, you know, because we don't have to live that way. We don't have to think like that. We don't have to be bound by fear. It's beautiful and something we can give thanks to God for. Secondly, hand in hand with revealing the ugliness of our sin, the Holy Spirit also reveals to us the beauty of Jesus. And we've touched on that before. But 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed. Are being transformed into the same image. If you ever stop to think about that, we're being transformed into the same image that perfect, holy, pure image of Jesus Christ from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit fills our gaze with the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And when that happens, everything else pales into kind of insignificance, really. I remember Claire and I went uh, to South Africa many years ago on a missions trip. That was about 20 years ago, I think. And um, I, I, can, I would argue that South Africa is the most beautiful country on the planet. I have, I've yet to go to New Zealand. I hear that's very nice too. But as far as I was concerned, South Africa blew my mind. I went a bit camera mad. We managed to take some time off, and we went down to Cape Town and did the garden route and up to Stellenbosch and Franschhoek. And I went absolutely camera mad. Bearing in mind, this was the, a very early digital camera I was having. And in those days, 20 years ago, memory sticks were, what, two meg at best? You had to be very selective with the photos you took. But I was like, oh, my word, that's the best view I've ever seen. Snap. That's the best view. Snap, snap. Anyway, as we got higher and higher, up the mountains, up through these beautiful vineyards, and I remember turning out of a vineyard, and I saw this view. If you've gone to the next one, annoyingly, that is the actual view, but it's not my photograph, because I couldn't find it. It's probably on a DVD. Yes, I am that old, rather than a iCloud or backup. I went searching through. My photo, I have to say, was even better than that, because all the flowers were out. It was stunning. And it just took my breath away. And I remember at that point, God saying, you are far too easily pleased. Because what I had done, when I took that photo, I started deleting all the other photos I had taken. All those other views that once took my breath away and thought, this is stunning, it can't get any better, it did. It just got better and better. And all those other photos I was discarding, they were rubbish. This is, this is what I want to see. And so I was able to have space to start filling up my camera with views like that. And as I said, God spoke to me. He said, you're so too easily satisfied. You know, you get out of the car and go, that's an amazing view. Snap. And God's saying, I've got so much more for you. I've got so much more for you. And the truth is, even that view pales into insignificance to what God is preparing for us in the new heavens and the new earth. We've been singing, he's preparing a place for me. We're his children. Nothing on this world will compare to what he's preparing for us. 
You know, it reminded me of that C.S. Lewis quote that's often used. It's, he basically said, we're like ignorant children, it's a bit harsh, who like going on making mud pies in a slum because we simply cannot imagine what it means to have an offer of a trip to the seaside. So there we are, content in making mud pies in the slum because we can't even imagine the beauty of a beach and making sandcastles in the sand. We are far too easily pleased. And that moment has stayed with me. In fact, it became my desktop picture on my old laptop for years and years and years. And uh, it just reminded me of that moment because, you know what, it's not just the things we chase after, but it's also the stuff that we've kind of just allowed to accumulate in our lives that we are too easily satisfied and okay with. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I'm quite happy with allowing our home to gather some clutter. Claire is less so happy. And it takes a visitor to come, where I suddenly look around and go, oh, wow, this is a tip. And then very quickly, everything just gets put under the understairs cupboard. If you want to know where everything goes, open the understairs cupboard. It's in there. But it takes a visitor to prompt that. And I suddenly think, oh, my word, I've allowed all this clutter. Papers, laptops, stuff, shoes, coats, everywhere. I just, and we do that in our lives. We do that in our lives. It's the little bit of stuff that we get used to. We're too easily satisfied. A little bit of envy. A little bit of lust. Yeah, it's all right. It's a bit harmless. A little bit of laziness, apathy, a little bit of gossip, a little bit of cynicism creeping in. It's okay. It can seem so harmless, so normal. We barely notice. But that's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he's like the guest who suddenly rings the doorbell, except he's always with us. If we'll allow him to... And the onus is on us, allowing him to. He will start revealing, in contrast to the sort of clutter that we've gathered in our lives. He will start revealing the purity, the beauty, the holiness, the faithfulness, the goodness of Jesus. As we read the Word of God, as we spend time in prayer, as we come together in worship and sing songs, suddenly the Holy Spirit will be like, wow. Look at Jesus. And Sonny will be looking at our lives and thinking, wow, that's got to go. That's got to go. It is his grace that he does that. He shows us God's glory. Suddenly those ugly things that we've either been chasing after or just simply allowing to clutter our lives suddenly don't seem so okay after all in the light of Jesus and who he is and who he's called us to. I love the fact that Paul got to the point where he was able to say, Philippians 3.8, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. The Holy Spirit had so filled his gaze with Jesus that everything else now just seemed rubbish, worthless, deleted off his memory stick. There's something far better I want to fill my gaze. It's Jesus. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us 
in obedience and ultimately to freedom. He shows us more of Jesus, and as we get closer and closer to Jesus, we find actually we want more of him and less of the stuff that we once chase after. As children of God, as citizens of heaven, as temples of the Holy Spirit, we have very different passions and desires to the rest of the world. And I think a key sign that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us is in our hunger for the Word of God. How hungry are we to get into this? You know, as we read and pray over Scripture, the Holy Spirit will use it to cut away stuff, cut away unbelief, cut away those things that clutter, help us see Jesus in all his glory beauty and worth. Another key sign, I think, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Jesus to us is in our desire to pray, our desire to gather corporately to pray and as individuals. Are you burning with passion to pray? Because that is where God reveals more of himself to us. If he is uh, something of worth to us, Surely there is a desire to pray because we get to hang out with him. We get to hang out with Jesus. How good is that? I remember when Claire and I were first engaged, she would invite me to all these art galleries. She was doing an art and English degree. And at the time, I wasn't really that into art. I'm sorry to say, I was a music man, melody, rhythm, production values. That's what really got me going. But staring at some dusty canvases at the time, sorry, sorry Neil, at the time, at the time, didn't really fill me with much joy, you know, didn't really inspire me, but I went. And I went not because I didn't want to upset Claire, although I didn't, and I didn't go just because I thought she'd be angry with me if I don't. I actually jumped at the chance because it meant time hanging out with her. It meant time spent doing what she loved and what she appreciated. And actually, the truth is, as I spent, you know, I decided if I'm going to go, we're going to have some fun. And I ended up spouting a load of pretentious nonsense about these wonderful masterpieces. And actually, through that, I learned to really love and appreciate the emotion and the technique and the story behind these amazing works of art. But it was love that drew me to follow her. It was love that made me travel 100 miles up the M4 in a mini that constantly broke down every weekend. I got to know the AA on first-name terms, literally. I would always stop at a similar kind of lay-by. I think they waited for me in the end. But you know what? Our relationship with Jesus, as I said right at the beginning, is based on love. We do what he says because we love him, and we know he loves us. If you want to grow more in the power and enabling of the Holy Spirit, we need to allow him to lead us into greater obedience. You know, sometimes I think when we ask to be filled with more of the Spirit, I don't know about you, but at times I've thought about it as pleading with God, give me a little drop more, as if he's withholding the Holy Spirit. Actually, Scripture says he gives us the Spirit without measure. 
So that can't be right. I believe it's more about our capacity to receive that needs to grow. And our capacity grows as we increasingly surrender our lives in obedience to him. Obedience equals anointing. We cannot be full of the Holy Spirit if we're still full of our old selves. If you're saying, I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I want more of you in my life. I want to know the power and the presence of God. The answer is surrender more of your life in obedience to Christ. I know I've at times come to God almost as it were with a thimble. Fill me afresh because I know full well I am holding back on things, plans, dreams, hopes, lifestyle. I know I'm holding back. And it's like I'm coming with a thimble. In effect, when we do that, we're just quenching the Holy Spirit. God fills what we have made room for. God fills what we have made room for. As we say, God, not your way. Sorry, not my way, but yours. Get it right. Too often we say it the other way around, don't we? God, not my way, but yours. And increasingly, he inhabits more and more of our lives. John 14, 21. Jesus says, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them. And listen to this, I will reveal myself to each one of them. Some translations say make known or disclose or manifest myself to them. If you want to have an intimate relationship with Jesus, what's the answer? Those who accept my commands and obey them. Again, John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, they will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and, they will, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Again, talking about intimacy. God's presence in us. It's obedience that opens the door to spiritual intimacy and actually greater influence as well. So I was preparing this. God just reminded me of the church praying in Acts 4 and You know, they were under pressure just to stop sharing the gospel. We have Peter and John who had already been hauled before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. They said, you are never to preach the gospel again. They went back to the church and the church prayed. And I love the fact that the church didn't take the easy option. They didn't give in to fear. They didn't take the comfortable option. Okay, I think we better lie low for a while. Maybe Jesus will open another door. No, what they did, they prayed for boldness. They prayed for miracles. They refused to allow fear to take up residency in their hearts, but were obedient to the call of God upon their lives, the same call that's on our lives to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I believe that as they refused to allow fear to take residency, and instead chose to be obedient so the Holy Spirit could fill them even more fully. That room shook. There was an earthquake, wasn't there, if you read through it? And they were filled again because of their obedience. If we're in any doubt about this link between being filled with the Spirit and obedience, okay? Acts 5.32 simply said, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. God wants to fill us to overflowing because then that will flow out and impact the world. 
Greater intimacy, but also greater influence. And obedience opens the door. You know, church, we are not to be those who live according to the flesh, to have our, our minds set on what our old self desires. We're to be those who live in line with the Spirit of God, to have our minds set on what the Spirit desires. We were given a prophetic word. Rob mentioned it last week. And I just think it's really key for us as a church at the moment, as we are increasingly stepping into a greater revelation of what it means to be naturally supernatural. And this prophetic word was, uh, it was Christine who brought it just before they, they moved. She said she saw this path going along this lush green field. It was a very clear, distinct path that God had laid out for us. But it was in a beautiful lush field. And when this path carried on, we suddenly realized it came to a precipice. Literally, there was no natural way to carry on. And God's word to us was, keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. And as I was preparing about this whole thing of Holy Spirit-empowered obedience, what are we going to do as a church? Are we going to take God at his word and say, I'm going to carry on walking? Because as we do that, Christine's word said, we will learn to fly. We will suddenly realize we were made to fly. Some will want to stay in this comfortable, lush green field and say, actually, it's not for me. What a shame. What a shame when God says we can fly. And it boils down to obedience. It boils down to trusting in him. And if we've allowed the Holy Spirit to continue to reveal Jesus into our hearts, we will know his character. He is good and he is faithful. He won't let us drop. If he says walk, we walk and we carry on through and we will see breakthrough. We will see breakthrough. The bottom line is obedience opens the door to a closeness and an intimacy and an impact that I don't think we've yet seen. It is the foundation and evidence of a spirit-empowered supernatural life. I'm going to stop there. I've had quite a bit more to do, but I just feel we need to stop because of time, but I also feel we need to respond. If the band could come back, if that's okay. Um, I felt God give me a bit of a golden oldie song to respond to. Um, In fact, we actually deleted it out of our words from the uh, computer, so I've put it back in. Hopefully, some of you will know it, but I'd love us to use this as a prayer, a response. I believe God has been speaking to us, obviously, through the worship, but also, I believe he's been speaking to us as we've been getting into the Word of God. He is the spirit of conviction, but it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It leads us to freedom. And if God has been putting his finger on maybe stuff that you have done, stuff that you've allowed to gather in your life. You know, there's sins of commission. There's also sins of omission, things that God has told you to do that you haven't yet. You have yet to step out into the good of it. Can I just encourage you, as we stand and sing this song, why don't you do business with God? You don't have to stand. You can do what you want. Sit, kneel, whatever you want. Walk around. Do business with God. It's a beautiful, freeing thing. He doesn't want us bound by our past. He doesn't want us bound by stuff we've allowed to gather. He wants us to step into the new. He wants us to step off the cliff and learn to fly. Amen? Amen.